Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, August 7th, 2021. Well, today we come to a passage that is very near and dear to my own heart, Uh, Because it is the first passage we went through together as a church when Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley opened its doors in January of 2019, we started preaching through the book of Colossians. And really the first two sermon series that we did covered the passage that we are going to read today. And one of the reasons I picked this book to start with as a church, and especially I loved these um, first even kind of few paragraphs of the book, was it really hones in on just some of the basic fundamental things that every church should be seeking and should be praying for. Uh, So let's come back to these basic things today and examine our own lives and how we're contributing to this as we look at Colossians 1, 1 through 14. And and this really includes a lot of Paul's prayers. And we see prayers of thanksgiving, things that he is thankful to, uh, to God about this church. So again, good things a church should seek. And also things he's praying for about this church. So again, more good things that a church should seek to have true about themselves. And so I want to read verses 3 through 14 and just encourage all of us to examine our own lives and to think through these things. And I might take some breaks as we as we read through it to discuss these things. And it begins, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, there we see a, a triad, that, you know, a grouping that we see almost as much as we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see this grouping of faith, love, and hope, a very fundamental uh, virtues in the Christian life. These really are going to be the main things that drive us forward in the Christian life. We go forward because we have faith. We trust God. We take him at his word. We go forward because we love God and we love his people and we love our neighbors. And we we are driven forward because we have a hope. And that hope is anchored not just in this life, but ultimately in heaven. So even just as you think about your own life, as we start going through this passage, are our faith, love, and hope things that really describe you? These are kind of the cornerstone Christian virtues that we should be building our Christian life. They should be really the engine that drives our Christian life, a faith in Christ Jesus, a love for all the saints, and a hope laid up in heaven. And all of this comes from somewhere. It says next, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so there we see this is all anchored 
in the gospel. And, and a couple of times you hear really it referred to with the word truth. It is the word of the truth. I love how it says that. It's not just the word of truth, the gospel. It is the word of the truth. And they understood the grace of God in truth. And so every local church, and I would say every Christian has a responsibility to communicate the truth. Are you one of those people that is communicating the truth of the gospel? And that's where I love it. It's good news and it's true. We're sharing the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again, and that we can be forgiven and redeemed and reconciled to God. Um, that That's an amazing thing. That That's what we need to be communicating. And we have the added assurance that that's not just a fairy tale. That is true. And we need more men and women like Epaphras that are f- faithful and uh, they are ministering to Christ on behalf of others. And then we get more into not just Paul's prayers of thanksgiving for the church, but now the things that he's continuing to ask for. And he says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good way, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with Joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so even there in that prayer, we see a lot of what the Christian life should look like. And kind of at the beginning of that section, you get the headline. We want to uh, live in a way that we are bearing fruit, walking manner worthy and and fully pleasing to him. And what does that look like? Because that seems like a high bar, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. How do I do that? And then we see kind of all these phrases that come after fully pleasing to him. We, We see we're to be bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, giving thanks. That's what this life looks like. And we need to ask ourselves, is that what my life looks like? And we need to be praying, God, this is what I want my life to look like. And this is what I want my church to look like. I want my life and my church to be bearing fruit in every good work. God, I want to be increasing in my knowledge of you, in my relationship with you. I want to have strength, God, so that I can keep going, have endurance and patience and have it with joy. And I want to be giving thanks to you. And really, I love how it expresses it there at the end in verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have so much to give thanks for. So I loved just going through these verses, thinking through them for myself, praying them for our church uh, this morning. And I want all of us to be thinking through these basic things and coming back to these things and making sure these are our lives and praying for these things for the sake of our brothers and our sisters and our churches. And as we do now move into some of these other passages, I want us to understand that how we respond to these basic things and whether we listen to God and do these things or not is going to have a big impact in our spiritual lives. There's kind of a blessing and a curse involved. And let's kind of start with the negative of the curse as we go back now to the Gospels and we look together in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10 verses 13 
and 14, and or sorry, 13 through 24. And he starts by rebuking certain cities. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the day of in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Haiti, to Hades. And so there we see he talks about three cities that were all there kind of on the northern shore region of Galilee, uh, Capernaum, Chorazin, and Bethsaida, places where it seems like Jesus did a lot of ministry and teaching. Capernaum was his kind of home base of operations, but many here did not repent. And so Jesus is saying, it's going to be better for these Gentile nations than it is for you uh, on judgment day. And the idea of you had so much opportunity, but you did not listen. And so I want us just just consider, even if you're listening to a podcast all about the Bible right now, you live in a day and age where you have more access to, to Bible teaching and commentaries and books and, and so many things than any age before you in the history of the church. I mean, even look at the end where he turns to his disciples and said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So there we, we see so much of, I hope we understand how blessed we are and how accountable that makes us. So if we understand those basic things, faith, hope, and love, and walking in a manner worthy of God, and we neglect those things, I mean, how responsible are we for that, knowing what we know and seeing what we have seen? That's a warning all of us need to take seriously today. Uh, let's go to more of a, a promising passage as we think about these things as we finish up Psalm 92 today, looking at verses 10 through 15 uh, in Psalm 92. And we saw at the beginning where we're thanking God for his faithfulness. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing his praises but at the end, we see just the blessings that come to the righteous. Verse 12 says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And so as we think about those things and read that verse, we see the blessing and the stability that comes to the life of the righteous. Those that understand those things that are talked about in Colossians 1 and live that out, they are going to flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And you think of a palm tree, a tree that does well, sometimes even in places that don't seem so friendly to vegetation and life, or the cedars of Lebanon were renowned for their strength um, and kind of their might as a tree. These were no, no jokes of a tree. These were firm, stout, strong trees. And if you want your life to be like that, it's going to come from living out those basic things. And obviously we know that's not something we can do on our own. It all starts, as it said there in Colossians 1, with hearing the word of the truth, the gospel, and believing it and being rescued from the domain of darkness. And as we experience the power of Christ in our lives. He calls us to live out these things. And there's incredible promise if we do. So I encourage you to come back to those basic things as you seek to follow God this weekend. 
Finally, let's wrap up in Ezra 4 through 6. And here we see now that this work of rebuilding the temple uh, receives some opposition. And uh, they write, their, their opponents write a letter to the king, to Artaxerxes, and they say, hey, this city is bad news. The people that have lived here have always been rebellious and you should stop them. And the king says, you're right. I looked in the history books and this city is rebellious and we should stop them. But then in chapter five, they start again. And we'll understand more later in the year as we read about Haggai and Zechariah and these prophets that called them to continue and they um, they continue to rebuild the temple. And as they do that, they say, wait, 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 weren't you not supposed to do this? Um, but then there's another exchange of letters and they even... Uh, write to the king and say, hey, King Cyrus gave a commission that this temple should be rebuilt. And then this king, uh, Darius, he um, he looks and it's like, yeah, there was a, a command given from the king to go and rebuild this temple. And I found that interesting that these, um, even though there were orders for them to stop, they kept going and they didn't just keep going in a spirit of defiance. They were commanded by the prophets of God to keep going. And even as they did, they didn't just say, well, uh, you know, we, we have to do this or we don't care what you say, uh, king. They appealed to a previous statement from the king. So even in some ways, while they were rising up to do what they thought they needed to do, they were still in some ways working within the political system to appeal to, hey, this statement was made. We have the right to do this. We were commanded to do this. So we're going to do this. And the one thing that isn't so explicitly stated in this passage is, I think, the hand of God in all this. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He moves it wherever he wishes. And here, I think we see God working through kings to accomplish his will. And ultimately, the temple is finished and dedicated. But it took these men and women rising up to bravely do what God had called them to do. And we're going to see more. That was in response to some specific words from God in the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. But they kept on going and the temple was finished. And I think in that God was honored. So may we honor God in our lives today. And really, as we think about doing that, let's go back to those basic things. And may our lives be filled with faith and love and hope, and may they be fully pleasing to God, bearing fruit, and may we be walking worthy of the calling of our Lord. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.